Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. I have been very fortunate with the journey of this podcast to chat with many experts and knowledgeable people. As new people come to the podcast every week, we want to take all the highlights and helpful information from previous discussions to provide them to you to assist you with your own high performance home journey. So yeah, maybe you could start off by telling us in your own words and uh, not just by our little like unprofessional description, what is it that you do? Uh, so off the back of that, yes, HRV or MBHR, mechanical ventilation with heat recovery as it can be known, ERV. That's kind of our, um, or my lifeblood and one or two others at Fantech. Um, but in terms of day-to-day activity, we're, um, yeah, we're basically helping um, design high-performance heat recovery ventilation systems or um, ventilation systems in general to uh, achieve those high-performance outcomes. It's been something that's been missing in the market in earlier years uh, and particularly in the sort of class one single dwelling space. So um, yeah, day-to-day kind of involvement is helping uh, assemble designs with building designers and consultants to produce these high quality outcomes. When do you think uh, the very first HRV system went into a residence in in your uh, career? Okay. What did you do first one? <laughs> yeah, so I know our New Zealand arm of Fantech actually sold some of the earlier systems into Australia. So I reckon we've got to be approaching almost 10 years now. It was our first, uh, Fantech's first involvement there. Um, we still speak to those customers. They're still purchasing filters and so forth. So we know those units oh, are awesome. up and operational. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're long life systems that um, we expect are going to be around for kind of life of the building. So what are some of the benefits, do you think, for, for mechanical ventilation? It's, it's been kind of well practiced in that commercial space for a long time, that when you've got mm. uh, an occupant in a room, there's really clear design guidelines around 10 litres per second per person in an office space. But what we've had in the resi space is uh, this kind of uh, belief or understanding that um, as long as you've got an operable window in a residential building, the ventilation's all taken care of. So we Mm. don't need to supply that fresh air any longer. Um, We all obviously know that's a little bit of a bit of a farce in reality um, (laughs) for a number of reasons. But principally, one of those is people don't open their windows and leave them open. So, and perhaps for a variety of reasons, noise, air quality, security, there's a raft of reasons, comfort, why they're not doing that. So, um, yeah, mechanical ventilation in the resi context, uh, whilst newer, is just really doing what's been done in commercial buildings for a long time uh, in terms of providing that continuous flow rate of fresh air 
Uh, and on the flip side of that, it's also the moisture and uh, other contaminant removal in that space. So what I'm interested in in the commercial space, you've mentioned that, you know, there's rules around this and that you need to have some sort of mechanical ventilation. Um, why is that? Why is it, what are the rules and reasonings behind there being, them being mandatory in those spaces? So I, I guess in commercial, let's say an office um, building, for example, it's, it's unlikely that you've got sufficient operable glazing in order to even come close to enough fresh air. Mm. Uh, particularly um, high-rise type stuff, there's not a lot of, and there may not be anything at all that's operable. Uh, so very quickly that became a case of um, elevated CO2 levels and contaminant levels and being a problem in those spaces. Um, Resi, on the other hand, as we've mentioned, can be operated a little bit differently depending on the people and depending on the climate zone. Um, I remember a study that uh, touched on the fact that we all believe that we open our windows a lot more than what we do. Um, some people, you know, believe that they have this inside-outside sort of lifestyle of which they live, and they may be true in some climates in Australia, but for where we are down in the southern states, it's, uh, it's a bit more cooler. Um, it was something like, you know, it was into the 90% of the time those windows were closed. And I like to just tell people, like, you know, if you've got your windows closed, we've got you covered. It's okay. It's uh, Mechanical ventilation is, um, is yeah, it's just takes care of that for you. Um, yeah, definitely. And the other side of that, we've sort of focused a little bit on fresh air supply in the resi context. But the, uh, the, the matching side to that is um, extract of contaminants and moisture. So contaminants is kind of fairly intuitive that we're exhaling CO2. Uh, if we do any gas-related cooking or heating, we've got CO2 as a, as a product there. We've also got volatile organic compounds coming off um, sort of synthetic carpets and laminexes and things like that. Um, so we've got stuff to remove out of a building. The other part is... Um, as well as that sort of internal health, it's actually building health as well. So we obviously in sort of that high performance space go to a lot of effort to manage what we'll call interstitial condensation. So essentially your wall and roof assemblies getting wet. Mm. Now, ultimately, there's still some moisture transport in there and continuous ventilation in the building, uh, inside the building helps draw away that moisture also. So not only is there a personal indoor air quality kind of thing, there's a building durability uh, function to that continuous ventilation. I think another point, I'm not sure, if, like that, that just always comes to my forefront of my, my head and that tells you a lot about how I operate and what is important to me. Is, isn't it true that, I mean, obviously if you have mechanical ventilation, a lot of times the buildings are extremely airtight, so they don't let a lot of um, air through. Uh, they're sealed pretty well, which has the additional benefit, other than being thermally comfortable and, you know, all the good stuff with condensation and, and air quality and, and building longevity. Um, it also means that you have to, you don't have to dust as much. There's not as many pollutants coming in, um, which I experienced firsthand when Anthony and I went to a um, a Yeah, passive house building with an uh, HIV system. And I was just, yeah, it was amazing. It filters out. It doesn't let any 
you know, little creepers and, and insects and stuff come in because it's airtight and that's another thing that's important to me. Um, but also you probably won't have to dust those that much. And, you know, especially for people with allergies, I am starting to definitely feel the hay fever coming onto me this season. Um, and yeah, I think that's another added, it's probably not the most important one, but it's definitely another nice little plus that, um, that air tightness brings to the table. That's it. I can see a whole marketing strategy now <laughs> around spiders. And, uh... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting, um, just as a little technical background, um, ventilation, heat recovery ventilation units can have different types of cores in them. So in the southern states for Australia, and we kind of probably draw a line from sort of a little bit north of Sydney across to Perth and sort of say, that's kind of HRV territory. And in that HRV territory, we're just getting, it's called sensible only heat transfer, but let's think of that just as temperature transfer. When we go to uh, more humid climates up into Brisbane, we start thinking about ERV cores. And that's, as you mentioned, where we can start to apply some different types of control to humidity management. Can I get you to expand on the two, the difference between the two, if that's okay? Yeah, John? probably four years ago, we actually worked with um, Zendo, one of our suppliers, to um, set up a monitoring um, system on a certified passive house. So we knew the air tightness levels were all right, everything else was right. And we actually um, alternated cores. So one of the, the beauties of lots of systems is you can pull out a HRV core and put an ERV core in there. And to quickly understand the difference there, HRV core, as we said, think of that as a plastic type film. It's impervious to moisture movement. So any excess moisture that comes through there when the temperature conditions are right is going to drop out as condensation and disappear, but uh, probably only in small quantities. If we think of ERV, we can now think of that a little bit like a piece of paper. Um, it's not actually a piece of paper, but it has the ability to transfer heat from one side to the other, but also uh, let's assume that paper got wet. We can actually do some moisture transfer as well. Mm. Now, the real smarts in the technology is that we can allow moisture transfer without any air transfer. So those moisture part droplets, not even droplets, there's vapor particles, if you like, are smaller than air molecules. So we can actually allow those through because it's pretty critical, obviously, that we're not allowing air leakage or transfer from an, an exhaust stream into a supply stream. We don't, we don't want to mix toilet odor with any fresh air. Yeah. So anyway, we ran this uh, trial for a bit over 12 months and we um, put in HRV core for several months at a time and then the ERV core to really establish a good baseline of what gave better performance. And so for um, Sydney climate, this was a suburban Sydney build, um, not on the coast, so inland a little. Um, we, we actually found that uh, HRV cores came out the winner. So again, delving just into a little more technical detail, the HRV core uh, has a slightly higher efficiency than the ERV core when we talk about temperatures or the sensible component of that heat transfer. I might get you to just explain um, 
how, in, in basic terms, how that system actually works, because I feel like we might have actually skipped over this little <laughs> crucial part of like, the HRV system, how it works in, in a very basic sense. Yeah, okay. So continuous flow rates, we're supplying fresh filtered air into all the habitable spaces in a home. So bedrooms, living rooms, studies, and so forth. And we're extracting from anywhere that's wet or odorous. So bathrooms, toilets, mud rooms, uh, anything that meets that definition. Always uh, absolutely balanced. Um, we don't want to pressurize or depressurize uh, for a number of reasons. One, um, we're, we're using unnecessarily some extra fan power when we try to pressurize or depressurize. Maximum heat recovery efficiency occurs at balanced flow rates. Um, and if we were to depressurize or overpressurize, again, we're forcing or drawing um, air through the building fabric, which is really not what we want to do because that will bring with it moisture and we get into this interstitial moisture condensation kind of problem. Um, so always balanced um, ventilation. So applying that back into our quick case study that we did, uh, what we found was the HRV core and it was beneficial with its little bit of extra sensible or temperature-related heat recovery. Where the ERV core we'd hoped was going to come into the fore is in, uh, for Australian climates, higher summer humid conditions, so higher outdoor humidity. And in essence, um, you can think about moisture transfer in the same way you can think about heat transfer. If we've got a really moist airstream and a less moist airstream, we move air from the really moist to the less moist. And so summer in Sydney, quite humid outside. If we get the relative humidity or the absolute humidity down inside the building, and that might come from a dehumidifier, it comes from AC use. So even just your standard split when it's cooling, we'll pull out some moisture. As we bring in that humid outside air in through the heat exchanger, we actually strip away some of that moisture to the outgoing exhaust air stream. And so that way we can actually reduce the load on internal cooling and also reduce the humidity level in that supply air stream. Thank you for listening to the Outlier podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au forward slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.